Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Richard Holmes. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Deb Johnston to answer your medical questions. Dr. Johnston's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Johnston. Good morning, Laura. How is everybody today? We are doing just fine, doing just fine. We are appreciating this warmer weather and the chances to be outside, that's for sure. Oh, my gosh. It is wonderful, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Have to take advantage of it while we can. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, This week on Prairie Doc, we're focusing on the topic of pediatrics, um, which is caring for kids, Um, and so we're looking forward to learning more about that today on the radio show, so if you have questions, any medical questions, um, you can give us a call, Um, but especially if they might be related to um, taking care of children, um, we'd love to talk about those too, so you can give us a call at 605-692-1430 with your questions. Um, Dr. Johnston, tell us a little bit about... um, well, what, what is the study of pediatrics or the practice of pediatrics, and what does that cover? Well, it, it, technically, it is anything from basically birth until age 21, although most of the time kids in those that late teen age group are starting to kind of transition more into a adult practice. So, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-olds might start going to an internist if they've seen a a pediatrician before, and of course, one of the beauties of family practice is we take care of all ages, so uh, there's there's no need to switch away from your beloved family doctor if you are uh, just getting a little older. Um, So it's important to remember that kids are not just little adults. They need uh, different doses of medications. They are susceptible to different illnesses. Uh, They respond differently to different treatments. We have different things that we're looking for. Um, You know, obviously, it's very important with children to be watching their their growth and their development. Are they learning to do the things that they're supposed to be learning to do on time? And that's everything from, you know, when does the baby first smile and roll over and learn to walk uh, to how is the social development of that teenager going? Um, So it's it's a different field. It's a fascinating field. You know, kids kids are the future, so it's really important that we take good care of them. Absolutely. Yes. Um, when we talk about pediatrics, uh, you know, we're, we've been caring for kids for forever, right? But that field right. also has changes in it somewhat regularly, too. Um, tell us a little bit about how that, that, how caring for kids is constantly kind of changing and evolving. Um, from a medical perspective? You know, I I think that it's definitely true just as a general principle that medicine is always changing. You know, the the things that um, we may have done just kind of reflexively when I was a student and and early in my practice, 
as time has gone by and we've learned more, we've realized um, maybe that's not the best way to approach things. Maybe that's even counterproductive. So, and that's certainly true with, with children as well. I think that there's always a lot of exciting advancements in, medic- in medicine. And if you look at uh, particularly the history of preterm birth and uh, what we are able to do now to support those infants that are born too early. Um, you know, when I was a medical student, uh, we really, babies that were born at 24 weeks had very poor outcomes. They they really, um, a lot of them didn't survive. The ones that did survive had significant disabilities. And it's not to say that there's not still significant complications for birth. But and let's see, we're, we're not having a great connection. You know what? It is time for us to go to our first break, and we'll see if we can improve our connection there. Uh, we thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Give us a call now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. The five major symptoms of a heart attack are chest pain or discomfort in the center or left side of the chest that lasts for more than a few minutes or goes away and comes back. The discomfort can feel like uncomfortable pressure, squeezing, fullness, or pain. You might feel weak, lightheaded, or faint. You might even break out into a cold sweat. You may have pain or discomfort in the jaw, neck, or back. You may have pain or discomfort in one or both shoulders. Shortness of breath may come with the chest discomfort. Other symptoms of a heart attack could include unusual or unexplained tiredness and nausea or vomiting. Women are more likely to have these symptoms. Call 911 if you notice symptoms of a heart attack. Promoting health and safety, the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to discuss your medical questions. You can give us a call at 605-692-1430. Our topic this week um, with the Prairie Doc programs is pediatrics and caring for kids. Um, and we, we're having a little technical difficulty. Dr. Johnson, are you able to hear me okay? I can hear you okay. And I've, oh, I've switched to a landline phone, so hopefully this will work better. Perfect. Thank you for giving that a whirl. Well, we've been talking about pediatrics and how that practice kind of changes. I appreciated your essay this week. If um, our listeners haven't had a chance to read Dr. Johnson's essay, you can find that in Monday's Brookings Register, or you can find it on the Prairie Doc website. Um, Dr. Johnson, can you tell us a little bit about how you were reflecting on your own childhood as you were looking through family photos? Oh, yes, absolutely. That, um, as some of the listeners may know, my, my mother passed away, um, early in the pan, or actually kind of midway so far through the pandemic. And I had the absolute blessing of being able to spend the last couple of months of her life with her. And, uh, while she would nap or, or otherwise be, um, not needing me, I would be looking through family photos and had the opportunity to scan a few of them, which which may end up on the TV tonight or tomorrow night. Oh, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it it really made me think about all the things that I did as a kid that are 
things that we definitely don't recommend now from, uh, you know, my brothers and sisters and I would, would play in the car and we would ride on the, the back windshield of the car and we would ride in the back of the pickup truck and um, ride on the hitch of the, the tractor while my dad plowed or, or hauled grain or did whatever. And, and all of these things that, you know, I, I don't think anybody necessarily thought was safe at the time, but didn't really realize how unsafe it was. Um, and one of my, my best examples of that is uh, having found pictures of me as an infant um, on, you know, sheepskin rugs, big fluffy rugs. And I actually have some memories of these these rugs from my my younger siblings. Um, so I would I would sleep often in an, what we now recognize as an unsafe sleep surface, um, which mm-hmm. was just darling and very cute, and you know <laughs> obviously very lovingly arranged by my parents. But um, and at the time, parents were taught actually to put their babies down on their tummies to sleep, and now we know that that is the highest risk position for SIDS. So. We recommend that parents put their babies down on their backs and not with blankets and quilts and and being overheated and all the other kinds of things that was the best thought at the time. But with more time and more study and uh, more investigation, you know, we can fine-tune those recommendations. So um, things are always changing, and it's important to recognize that what we what we think is true today, we may think, how could anybody have ever thought that in 20 years? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a great conversation with um, Dr. Jill Cruz last week um, on the show all about change. And as I was thinking this morning about our pediatric show, how change is constant, and um, I feel like it just goes right into uh, this this topic, too, of pediatrics, not only, um, like you said, updates in medicine, but how kids are just constantly changing, and you feel like, you, oh, I got this figured out, and then a week later, everything changes again, and you have to adapt and change your whole strategy again. Um, yes, As we do. talk about caring for kids, um, you know, a big part of that physician-patient relationship and all that are those well-child visits. And I just remember as being a new mom, you know, there's so many resources out there, which I appreciate being able to go on the Internet or um, find a book and those things. Yeah. But those well-child visits are just so valuable because then you're talking with your physician about your child and your specific circumstances. Um can you tell us a little bit, for those of us who maybe haven't been to a well-child visit for a long time, what happens in those well-child visits and kind of how those are structured to support parents and um, the children through through their growing? Absolutely, and I, I totally concur with you. Those, those well-child visits are really important. Um, we typically will see an infant uh, very shortly after they leave the hospital, and that's you know, to make sure are they feeding well, are they, um, 
how are things going at home? How are mom and dad adapting? Is there any evidence of jaundice? Is is baby seeming healthy at this point? A lot of newborns have a lot of difficulty kind of adapting to life on the outside and particularly with feeding. And uh, newborns are also particularly susceptible to illness. So we always like to keep a keep a close eye on that and make sure mom and dad know what uh, they're supposed to be looking for, make sure the family knows what they're supposed to be looking for. Um, and then we'll often do a, a well child, often at one month, particularly for newer families who haven't been around the block, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. uh, just to to answer questions that they may have and, and see how things are going. Kind of the first uh, routine well child check would be at two months and then four months and then six months and then nine months and then 12 months, and it goes on from there and decreasing frequency. But basically on those visits, we're, we're looking at how is the baby growing? Is the baby gaining weight? Is the baby getting longer? Um, we're looking at the baby's development. So is the baby meeting the milestones when we expect? Are they smiling? So we're looking at that development to make sure that the baby is, is doing the things we expect at that particular age. And some children need a little help to catch up and, and stay on track and uh, can just avoid issues on down the road and, and be a good warning sign for us that maybe there's something else going on. And then we use that time to give guidance to parents, to answer any questions that they have, uh, to review the things that they should be expecting, to review, um, okay, now the your baby is going to start to be interested in solid foods and it's time to start introducing solid foods and, and here is a good way to do that. And, um, you know, is your baby sleeping on his or her back and what is the environment? Is the baby, you know, sleeping? independently? Um, what is the environment at home? How is How are we set up for safety and ensuring that child's safety, uh, particularly as children start to get mobile? Um, so those visits are really a good opportunity for education. It's a good opportunity to ask questions. It's a good opportunity for your doctor to get to know you and your child uh, so that in the future, if you have a need, um, you're kind of already a team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, yes. and of course, vaccinations. My One of my very favorite topics of all, vaccinations. Uh, we usually will give vaccinations at two months, four months, six months, then there's some shots at a year. Um, and, of course, the flu shot can be thrown in there at, at pretty much any time after the age of six months. Babies can get their flu shots. Okay. That's another area that has changed a lot in the course of my my time and practice. Uh, the shots that we recommend for babies uh, have changed. We're able to protect babies from a lot more diseases now, but the vaccines themselves are a lot more effective and have uh, they've been able to hone down and deliver um, a more effective vaccine with fewer antigens. So um, it's it's really been a fascinating process to watch. Absolutely. Very good. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430. With any medical concerns you would like us to address, Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. 
We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Being alone or with very limited social interactions during the pandemic can be difficult. With some effort on your part, there are some ways to decrease the effects of isolation. Keep a schedule. Stay active. Do something meaningful like working on your genealogy or organizing photo albums. Connect with others by letter, email, phone, Zoom, or try online games. Find comfort in old movies or lighting a candle and having a cup of tea. These are just a few ideas to get you thinking. You can do this. If you find your loneliness getting out of hand with feelings of depression, call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Before our break, Dr. Johnston, you were filling us in a little bit about vaccinations and um, that process. I know that is, uh, and how far those have come along and how effective they are now, um, that is um, a topic that parents often feel some anxiety about and um, figuring out what's best for their families. What advice do you have for parents as they're considering vaccinations and schedules and all of that? So, you know, the vaccine schedule that we recommend has been extensively studied, and I know that there's a lot of misinformation out there about uh, vaccines and are they safe and um, are they effective, and if vaccines are effective, why does everybody need to get them? And, um, you know, there's there's just a lot of misinformation out there and, and a lot of scare tactics out there. Um, the reality is, you know, being out in the sun isn't 100% safe. Um, being, getting in your car, we all take risks uh, every day of our lives. Um, staying home has its own risks. Staying in bed has its own risks. Um, but everything is kind of a relative risk. And the risk of something bad happening as the result of a vaccine, although it's not zero, it's darn close. Um, you know, some things are common, sore muscles and fevers and irritability and rashes and those kinds of things are, are not at all uncommon. Uh, but serious side effects that have long-term consequences are extremely uncommon from vaccines, extremely uncommon from vaccines. So, you know, vaccines are probably one of our safest medical interventions that we have, and they have a huge impact on our health as an individual and as a community. So I am a big proponent of vaccines. Um, they're very well studied. Uh, they're always striving to make them even safer. Um, and, you know, when there are problems associated with vaccines, those, those are addressed. I remember earlier in my career, we had a rotavirus vaccine, and, uh, and that was wonderful, but they discovered that a certain very small but very real percentage of infants that were given this vaccine had a condition called an intussusception, where part of the bowel uh, gets swollen and slips inside another part of the bowel, and that can be very dangerous in addition to being very painful, and that vaccine was removed from the market. It's important to recognize that before the vaccine, 
we would have a lot of babies in the hospital with rotavirus. They would get this terrible diarrhea and, and sometimes vomiting, and they would have to be in the hospital getting fluids through the IV, and it was, it was very anxiety-producing for parents and very difficult. Um, with the vaccine, that has really, really fallen by the wayside. I, I can't even remember the last time I had a baby in, in the hospital with, with rotavirus or a young child with rotavirus. There is now a new vaccine for rotavirus that does not have that risk associated with it. And it has just really changed, um, changed the world for these children. When we um, talking about vaccines and shots, um, the flu shot uh, is something all of us could start getting now or soon. Is that right, Dr. Johnston? That's absolutely correct. Um, typically here in South Dakota, we, we kind of aim for October for our flu vaccine, okay. uh, just because we tend to have a later flu season than they do in other, other parts of the country. Uh, however, there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting it now. Just get it. The flu shot's important every year. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's probably our least effective vaccine in terms of keeping you from getting the disease. However, getting the flu shot significantly reduces the risk of getting severe disease, needing to be in the hospital, or dying from influenza. And people do die from influenza. Young, healthy people die from influenza in 2020, 2019. There were young, healthy people who died from influenza. Um, so it, it is a very serious disease. And this year, it's going to be even more important that we all get our flu shots because the last thing we can really handle is having a bad flu season on top of COVID-19. We're, we're going to really overwhelm our health care um, if if we are trying to deal with both of these at the same time. Every year we can get overwhelmed with influenza alone. So knowing that we've got both of these out there is causing a lot of anxiety uh, for people in healthcare. Um, infants can get their flu shot at, at six months. The first time they get their flu shot, they need two shots one month apart. Uh, after that, they can just get by with one shot per season. Uh, adults, of course, only need one shot. Even if you've never had the flu shot before, if you're an adult and you're, you're going to get it this year, you only need one. Um, you can get that at your local clinic. You can get that at a lot of pharmacies. There's a lot of opportunities to get that flu shot. And I'd really, really encourage everybody out there listening, even if you don't normally get the flu shot, to please, please get it this year. We really need you to. Okay. And can you tell us a little bit about the Tdap for adults and why that's important? Mm. Yes, absolutely. So Tdap is a vaccine that protects you from uh, diphtheria, which is a throat infection that, that can be extremely serious. Tetanus, which uh, some people refer to as lockjaw, which is also an extremely serious illness, uh, and an illness called pertussis, whooping cough. Um, tetanus is something that you typically get from contaminated uh, contaminated environments, um, and that spore can live for a very, very, very long time in the environment. So, uh, and when I say long time, I mean years. So uh, that is something that's always out there. It's really not spread from person to person, so it's a little unique in the course in the, the setting of vaccines uh, because it's protecting us not from something that I might give you, but just from something that I might pick up in the environment. Pertussis is, is 
uh, important because it is very dangerous to children, um, particularly young children. Children can't get their first vaccine for it until about two months. So, but it is something that um, they are very vulnerable to. We immunize moms while they're pregnant uh, in the hopes of, of giving that baby some immunity that they can kind of borrow from mom until their own immune system is able to, to start fighting it. But it's really important that we cocoon infants. So we recommend that anybody that's going to be a caregiver, anybody that's going to be in contact with a young infant should really be getting their own uh, pertussis booster too if they haven't had one. Uh, so this is something another one of those changes in medicine. When I started medicine, we would give children their Tdaps and their um, their pertussis vaccines. And then once you were kind of out of that childhood vaccine stage, we didn't worry about it anymore. But about 20 years ago now, we started seeing outbreaks in older people with pertussis. And that was a little difficult for us to, to recognize because they didn't get the classic <laughs> sort of sound that a, a lot of these children did. But once we recognized that, um, we realized that that immunity fades over time. And so we started immunizing uh, adults with that that Tdap, and at the original time, we said, "Well, you know, everybody, everybody just needs one," and that's still not an an unreasonable thing. But I think most of us have started just using the Tdap and that contains the pertussis instead of just the tetanus and diphtheria vaccine when people are due for their tetanus boosters. So that's okay, another so example we... of change. Yes. So we should all make sure we're, we're up on those as adults, too, when we're, we're in yes. so we can protect the kids. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break, and we'll be back after this message from Avera Medical Group. Attention drivers, there are many bikers on the road. Please remember these rules. Share the road. Bicyclists have the same rights to the road as motor vehicles do. It is the law to allow three feet between your car and the bicyclist. Give bicyclists space on the road. When turning right, look right before proceeding. Always check the sidewalks as well as the traffic lanes when merging or turning. Slow down and watch for pedestrians and bicyclists. The Avera Medical Group Brookings encourages drivers as well as bikers to help prevent accidents. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here. We've been talking about pediatric topics today. Uh, we just have a minute left here, Dr. Johnston. Thank you for um, filling us in on these things. I wanted to mention we um, Joni Home has put together some really wonderful short videos um, that just give parents and grandparents a little information and encouragement as you care for your kids. And so you can find those on the Prairie Doc website and they're called Play, Eat, Sleep. And they're just short little tidbits of information. For anyone looking for another resource, I highly recommend checking that out. And then also tune in tomorrow night for our television show, Prairie Doc television show. Dr. Johnson, do you want to tell us a little bit about what tomorrow night's show will be about? 
Yeah, we will have uh, two pediatricians and myself, and we will just answer any questions that come in. So everybody start thinking about questions and and call in and and give us your general questions about pediatrics and anything from birth to young adulthood and how we can best support and help our children. Excellent. So before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. And tomorrow, September 17th, the On Call with the Prairie Doc Television show is titled Pediatrics Information for All Ages. Prairie Doc host Deborah Johnston and her guest, Dr. Matt Bean and Dr. Jennifer Hager, discuss the study of pediatrics and why it is important for people of all ages. Watch the full episode this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc Library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for the Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Deb Johnston for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, Stay healthy out there, people. <laughs>